Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I am a hospice social worker. Today, we're going to have two things for you. I'm going to have an update on my attendance of the Change the Narrative in Granite Falls rally, and we're going to have Matt reading the special edition of Weedle on the Needle. And apparently we're going to have the dogs running around, the dog running around chasing the cat. And I've given up on trying to fix that. And if you would like to skip ahead and just hear Matt reading and not hear the update on the rally, please skip ahead to about minute 10 and a half. Unfortunately, today, August 28th, 2020, because 2020 sucks, we just found out that Chadwick Boseman, King T'Challa, Black Panther, has passed away. So I want to just take a moment to honor the actor Chadwick Boseman and honor the grief that everyone's going to feel because it was a surprise. He, he kept his colon cancer a secret. Cancer is a bitch, as you all know. Obviously, I work in hospice and I work with many people with cancer and not knowing i mean he's a celebrity so it was you know it's his right to not tell people but unfortunately because he didn't tell people it feels much more like a sudden death rather than you know something that we could have kind of dealt with something he was battling for four years yeah so i'm heartbroken i mean i'll give you a little bit of an update on the rally change the narrative in granite falls which is not affiliated with Black Lives Matter as far as the actual movement and protests and organization, but it does include the fact that Black Lives do matter. And as I saw on many of the signs, the whole point is all lives cannot matter until Black Lives Matter. That is the point. If I said save the whales, it doesn't mean fuck all other fish. Black Lives Matter does not mean fuck all other lives. It means they have not been treated equally. And I also met someone there that is part of a group in Lake Stevens. That's the uh, BIPOC, which is Black Lives and Indigenous People of Color. Let's not forget that Indigenous people are constantly overlooked in this conversation. And there's no one more apt to say something about being discriminated against, having people take things from them, and still struggling for their rights. So uh, I just want to take a moment there to talk about that. I attended the rally tonight in Granite Falls. There were more people than there were last week. I would say 80% of the cars going by were actually really supportive, which was hopeful. Uh, But it was a two-hour rally, and that's because last week, and apparently this happened right after I left, which I talked about a little bit, is that people were confronted in the parking lot at the end of the rally because we kind of, we all kind of weeded ourselves out throughout the night. We didn't all leave at the same time last week. And when there was only a few people left, they were apparently cornered and harassed. And apparently what I found out today was that some people were actually followed home. There are definitely people that call themselves proud boys or uh, white supremacists or any variation of alt-right that are in Granite Falls. And it is a little scary 
but it was hopeful. You know, when we first got there, there was only three of us. And we were like, oh, well, I guess only three of us are going to be standing out on this corner. And pretty soon, within a few minutes, there were 20 people all standing there with signs in all kinds of iterations. And some of them did say Black Lives Matter. Although, like I said, Black Lives Matter is a particular movement that unfortunately has been, how do I say, categorized with some kind of terrorist group because of these rioters and looters, which is not the point of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter has been going on since Trayvon Martin was killed by George Zimmerman in his hoodie, having candy in his pocket. But people forget about that. Somehow they think it's, you know, it's because it's rejuvenated because of George Floyd. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the whole Black Lives Matter thing. But the point is, is that this group was founded by a person of color, a black man who lives in the community and who has been called the N-word at the grocery store just shopping for his groceries. People's children in elementary school have been called the N-word, which I cannot express to you how upsetting that is that children have to deal with this. It is ridiculous and should not be happening. There's nothing else to say about that. So that's really what this change the narrative is about is to bring the community together, understand that they are a rural community and they have concerns and to get them on our side, there is some talk about being a little more moderate and being a little more community-based and community-focused. It's not about the national movement. It's about the local movement and how to bring people together. So this rally, because of the threats and craziness that happened last week, was decided to be a little bit shorter and that we were all going to leave at the same time at the end of the night. So about an hour and 15 minutes into the two-hour rally, which had been going great. Yes, we got some you know, middle fingers and some yelling of all lives matter. But for the most part, it was very supportive and very peaceful. Everybody was on the grass. You know, no one was impeding everybody, anybody. And all of a sudden, about an hour and 15 minutes in, um, this black man came up and was yelling at all of us down the line, like walking down the line. No one was really engaging him because... We talked about before that we didn't want to engage anything because we don't want to give the presentation that we're being aggressive. The whole point is to be peaceful and have a conversation, not to be yelling at each other. And this particular person was spouting off what I would consider to be right wing or Fox News talking points, which was, George Floyd was a bad person. Yes, his death was tragic. However, he was a bad person. Let's just break that one statement down for a second. Um, it doesn't matter what he's done in his past. He did not deserve to have someone kneel on his neck for nine minutes. Every single case that everybody is fighting for is exactly that point. Look at Kenosha. Look what just happened. A white person shot and killed two people. Yes, he is now being charged with murder, but he literally walked down the streets with a assault rifle a strap, a strap to his body while the cops literally drove by him as he's walking down the street. This is on video. I'm not making this up. You can look it up. If a black person did that, how many conversations start like that? If a black person did that, if Obama did that, I'm exhausted and I'm not the only one. 
The Everett, Everett Herald was there at the rally, and there was a very tall black man that was taking pictures for the Everett Herald, and he gave his account of what he's had to experience, and that every single time he leaves a store, his hands are down at his side and open palms, or he has his receipt. That shouldn't be the way we live. That shouldn't be the way that he lives. Because he is a large black man, he has to be careful with every single thing he does and says. That is bullshit. Bullshit. If you have ever had to think about how you act or behave around someone else, you're not white. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. You're a person of color. Because that's something they live with every single day. And I actually apologize to him that he has to keep explaining this to white people because he shouldn't have to. It's 2020. There's video. We all know what's going on. You're going to be part of the change or you're fearful that somehow this change is going to take away your privilege. Whatever the case may be, let's just sit down and have a conversation. There doesn't need to be hate. There doesn't need to be violence. Let's talk about it. Let me hear what your problems are. I want to hear the other side, but not when you're yelling. That is what happened at the rally. This individual was yelling at people, yelling loudly over everyone. And finally, some people engaged him. And it did take a little bit of healing on the other side, unfortunately. But they did finally have a conversation. And it sounds like he's willing to sit down and actually have a conversation. For some reason, his ideas about us being affiliated with Black Lives Matter was the difference between whether he was willing to sit down or not. And now he's willing to sit down. And thank God for those people that were willing to stick it out and tolerate it. Because there was another young lady of color that was there that was so impassioned she was in tears by the time she left. Because it was heartbreaking to her to hear someone be talking like that. To say we need more police. To think that defunding the police means getting rid of the police. That's not the point. I understand this is not a political podcast, but... This is what's going on in the world and there's just no way around it. So I am now going to stop expressing my opinion because honestly, when I got home from all of that and found out that Black Panther died, I just can't anymore today. What I need is Weedle on the Needle. So I'm going to turn it over to Matt with his wonderful radio voice and I'm going to have him read us a bedtime story. Weedle on the Needle, the 35th anniversary edition from Stephen Cosgrove. Many, many years ago, before explorers sailed into the Northwest, there lived a large, happy creature called the Weedle. He was pleasingly plump, covered in orange, fluffy fur, and had a big, round, red nose. He spent his days sniffing flowers and enjoying the peace and quiet that nature offered. Forever in a day, everything was peaceful, until one afternoon, the Weedle watched curiously as a large ship sailed into the bay. Laughing loudly, workers jumped from the ship and set about clearing the land and building this, that, and other things. As they worked, they whistled, and the more they worked, the more they whistled. All that whistling hurt poor Weedle's ears. The whistling continued day and night and the Weedle could get absolutely no sleep at all. With no sleep, he became grouchier and grouchier. If he was ever to get some sleep, the Weedle knew that he must put a stop to all this whistling. Hmm, he thought. If the workers don't have their tools, they won't be able to work, 
and if they can't work, they won't whistle. So later that night, he sneaked into the workers' camp and took all of their tools. Sadly for the Weedle, the next morning the men quickly got new tools from the ship and went back to work, whistling even louder than before. If anything, the Weedle was resourceful. He decided the next best thing to do was to scare the workers. For when workers are scared, they can't pucker. And when they can't pucker, they can't whistle. As we all know, a puckerless whistle is no whistle at all. One by one, he began creeping up behind them and growling at the top of his voice. Sure enough, the workers were so scared they couldn't whistle a whit. All would have been the Weedle's salvation, save for one brave lumberjack, who, to prove he wasn't scared, simply whistled. The Weedle put his hands over his ears and ran into the forest. Well, let me tell you, that did it. The Weedle knew he could no longer live but near the bay, so he packed his belongings and left. He wandered high into the mountains, searching for a place far enough away from the workers that he wouldn't hear the whistling. He wandered and wandered until he came to the very top of Mount Rainier. He listened very carefully. What a delight! He couldn't hear even a whisper of a whistle from the wind. He quickly unpacked his sleeping sack, his toothbrush, and with the squiggly on the end of his white woolly pajamas, this was a quiet place he had hoped for. This was a place where he could sleep for a long, long time. He quickly brushed his teeth, washed his furry hands, and slipped into his woolly pajamas. Then he slid his big body into the sleeping sack, plopped his head on his pillow, and fell fast asleep. He was so happy in his deep sleep that his big red nose blinked on and off like a flashing beacon on a tall pole. He slept through the night, through the day, through weeks and months, and on through several years. Oh, such sweet dreams. But after a long while, something woke the Weedle from his deep sleep. Whistling. Loud whistling. Happy whistling. He looked out, and much to his surprise, he saw that the workers had continued to build over the years, and had now built almost to the edge of his mountain. But what was more alarming is that now everybody was whistling, children and workers alike. Oh no, cried the Weedle, what am I ever to do? With all this whistling, I'll never get back to sleep. He ran, pacing up and down the mountain, mumbling and grumbling all the while. Then his nose lit up and a smile crossed his lips. I've got it, he chuckled. And with that, he removed everything from his large striped bag, and with it dragging behind him, he climbed to the very top of Mount Rainier. He stood on his fuzzy tiptoes, reached up into the sky, and grabbed a cloud. Then he grabbed another, and another. One by one, he stuffed the clouds into his bag until he had, to full, had it full to overflowing. With the bag thrown over his shoulder, he set out for the source of the noisy whistling problem, the growing city of Seattle. The skyline of the city was filled with tall buildings, but the Weedle only needed one to complete his plan, and the one he chose was the Space Needle. Giddy to put his plan into action, he hurried to the base of the Space Needle, jumped into the elevator, and zipped to the very top. There he stood and looked about, all around, 
were happy children and workers, all whistling and laughing, having a great time. The Weedle chuckled as he reached deep into his soggy bag. He grabbed a fluffy cloud by the tail and then slung it around and around and flipped it into the air. The cloud lifted high into the sky and then hung there like a glop of whipped cream on a blue kitchen ceiling. The cloud gurgled and, sh and sloshed, and then one drop of rain fell, and then another, and then another. Soon it was pouring. Now the kindly folks in Seattle like the rain, but it's nearly impossible and highly improbable that one can whistle with any intensity in a rainstorm. With the rain falling all around, everyone ran inside, and soon it became very still, very quiet indeed. The Weedle stretched out on top of the Space Needle, and using a bag of clouds as a pillow, fell fast asleep. With each snarkled snore, his big red nose slowly blinked on and off. And as he slept, it rained and rained. And it rained. The people of Seattle had to stay inside, and they became very sad. It didn't take much to figure out that someone was throwing clouds into the sky from the top of the Space Needle. <laughs> Finally, the mayor himself went to the Weedle on the needle to plead with him and stop throwing rain clouds into the sky. Please, said the mayor, would you stop throwing clouds into the sky? The kindly folk of Seattle love to whistle while they work, but with all the rain, there's little to whistle about, and without whistling, there's little work to be done. The Weedle said he was sorry, but still and all, he couldn't sleep when he heard people whistling. There was nothing he could do. Now the mayor thought and thought and quickly devised a plan, a wonderful plan indeed. The mayor's plan was a simple plan, and sometimes simplicity is best. All through the night and into the next morning, sailmakers stitched and sewed cotton, flannel, and wool miles of thread were laced through the skies of needles and weathered hands of the sailmakers sewed. They sewed pink flannel onto yellow wool and blue cotton onto red flannel. And by early morning, they had finished their task. Whoever said that mayors never think a thoughtful thought, this was a good plan, a great plan. At precisely noon, not a minute before, not a minute after, the mayor again met with the Weedle on the needle. In his hands, he held the largest pair of earmuffs you've ever seen. These earmuffs are for you, said the mayor, in his most political voices. With these on your ears, you won't hear a thing. You won't hear us whistle. You won't even hear the big whistles from the ships in the harbor or the trains going by. The Weedle pulled the earmuffs over his ears and was surrounded by the delight of silence. He didn't hear the kindly folk of Seattle cheering, and he didn't hear the end of the mayor's speech. With the earmuffs in place, he simply rolled over and fell fast asleep. So content was he that his big red nose began to blink. There's a Weedle on the needle. I know what you're thinking, but if you just look up late at night, you'll see his red nose blinking. <laughs> and that's the Weedle on the needle. I didn't do it justice, but I tried. Thank you, Matt. I can only think of, <laughs> like, every single thing that we need to hear right now for self-care is in the Weedle, of the <laughs> weedle <laughs> on the Needle, which is... Silencing when you need to silence. Getting away. Getting plenty of sleep. Getting plenty of sleep. 
And understanding that sometimes you just needed to be quiet. So this is it for this episode. If there is a story in particular that you want to hear Matt read, please email us at someydaydeadpc at gmail.com. Let's keep it at a third grade reading level. <laughs> you can tweet us at someydaydeadpc. And get some rest. Turn off the noise. And find some peace where you can. There's no point in suffering while we're still alive because someday... We'll all be dead.